This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, we have Movie Talk, a program for all things cinema-esque, for the discerning film and video junkie. Welcome again to Movie Talk. Today we'll be looking at a Marvel Studios movie with a Chinese superhero, Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, a musical documentary about an African-American concert festival back in 1969, Summer of Soul, and Eiffel about the making of Paris's outstanding tower. If you want them to be yours one day, you have to show me you are strong enough to carry them. You are a product of all who came before you. The legacy of your family. You are your mother. And whether you like it or not, you are also your father. I told my men they wouldn't be able to kill you if they tried. Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings is Marvel Studios' first film with an Asian superhero and is also highly original in many other ways. Carolyn Brown's been off to the Silky Otter Cinemas at Wigram to see this multi-level movie. Carolyn, I had never heard of this superhero before. What do you think about Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings? I really liked it. I think it's fabulous. I think Marvel Studios has to be the most um, consistent and and hardworking studio out there. This is their twenty fifth film in this um, in the universe Marvel, in the yeah. Marvel universe, and they just seem to be getting better and better. Yeah, I mean, and I changing think quite a bit now. Too. They are because I didn't think that they could top Endgame. Really, they killed off <clears throat> lots of people and everything else. But um, no, this one is really good, and it ties in with the other films as well. So yeah. Mandarin, who. Um, it's, yeah, who's known in this film? He first appears in Iron Man. Um, mm. So yeah. It's no, but this uh, Shang Chi. I, I understand that the um, um, Marvel um, comic books they mm-hmm. they they had one about him. Yes. He was in that. Um, but so, it never has appeared in the movies yet. No, but it's been long in the making. So Sangshi and the Ten Legends of the Ten Rings, they first appeared in 1973 in the comics, but they're quite different in a way to what we see in this uh-huh. film. He, yeah, he's I been well that. and truly developed because time has moved on and the, all the stereotyping is, is gone, um, thankfully. So, But this film was first slated to begin back in 2001. So it's taken a really long time yeah, for it to yeah. be developed. And, I mean, there was Ang Lee. He was mooted as being the director a few years ago. He's a very famous um, director. Um, but now we've got this this wonderful man, um, David Callum, um, who wrote the screenplay. Sorry, he wrote the screenplay. But the director is a first-time director of a, a major film. Ah, and uh-huh. he does incredibly well. Yeah. I mean, the action scenes are just oh yeah, and they get those actions. They they get more incredible. Yeah. Um, with each one, seems to be more intense or have something in it. You know, it's it's just it's more um, 
uh, yeah, the, the creation of them is the way they're put together, the swinging in and out of doors and windows yeah, and no, all the, sorts the special of effects are amazing. And one of the other really, I mean, this film is getting high praise all over the place, and it's kind of like the Black Panther in that um, mm. they haven't westernised the Asian culture. They've kind of included it and taken the parts of it that really yeah. work and well, everything. Yeah, so well, the, the main character and... here, the Shang-Chi bloke, he's actually um, living, or he's he's an American living in San Francisco. His yeah. father well, is the uh, born Chinese. Born in China and then mm, he yeah. moves to, um, you find him in there. And there's a lot of um, commentary on that and the dialogue as well about the different types of Mandarin that are spoken. So there's a comment in one point of the film where I speak ABC, which is American-based Chinese, so <laughs> there's yeah, and, and there's a lot of humour in this film. It's very much a typical Marvel film in that terms of the dialogue is really well written, um, very funny, and the script holds together so yeah. well. And what amazing! This is the Marvel Studios. You, you've um, mentioned uh, the Black Panther film, mm. and I mean that they have deliberately taken this on of making uh, films with the superhero. Diversifying them, which is awesome. There are the racial people. So we've had one with an African guy in it, Mm -hmm. leading the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And now we've got a Chinese guy. And woman, we've had um, Black Widow and Captain Marvel. And and this has also developed the... uh, superhero movies, the Marvel superhero mm. movies, further than just those sort of more highly impersonal action movies that they used to be with people in funny suits or <laughs> sort of costumes on, you know. Yeah, well, the, I mean, this film's really good in that it's not formulaic at all. Um, well, it is and it isn't because it adds in new dimensions as well, and that's one of the things where you've got other um, studios, they tend to get very stuck in, like, I could mention James Bond, it's very stuck in its formula, isn't it? James Bond yeah, always yeah, kind yeah. of wins. Um, whereas Whereas Marvel, they keep on bringing in new characters, they keep on bringing in new situations, they keep it alive. Mm. Yeah, well, these are completely new to those. And also the whole point is there's another sort of uh, uh, part to um, these superhero films that you didn't get, except in the last two, and there's a sort of stronger family angle. And, And yet we had this in Black Widow. I mean, it could be Earlier the influence of Disney because Disney is a family studio, so it's yeah. quite oh, yeah. Oh, that could be an yeah. influence there, but yeah, but I mean, this is something you just don't expect to see in superheroes. Well, the other step of didn't have complex. families. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, but yeah, there's complex involvement of whole families in, yeah. in different issues, and you're wondering, you know, where are they? Where are they come? What are they doing in this movie? You know? no, it's, <laughs> but, it's, but it's a good positive thing to see that they can do this. They, um, I've, I've don't know how many Marvel movies have there been now. This is say? number twenty-five. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> so, so to keep the franchise alive and still at the top of the blockbuster hits for that long, they have got the formula really. Hmm. They've got it right. Yeah. Well, the yeah. stories are pretty complex, but it's a there's sort of a, it's a conflict between father and son basically. Uh, and uh, over who's taking over the family, who's going to do what in the future. Yeah, because yeah. the father is not a particularly good man. He He's a thousand well, years he's old th- now. He's thousands he, of years old. I'd be pretty cranky if I was his age as well. <laughs> <laughs> and power corrupts, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, he's been in power of these very powerful rings for thousands of years. Of course, he's going to be a little bit Yeah, corrupt, and he but... somehow got these rings that the film is named after. He wears them on his arms. Yeah. And um, and they give him these extra- extraordinary yeah, power. Yeah, immortality to, to, and... 
to, yeah, to, yeah. yeah, and to, to, to do, fight with people or take over yeah. people, take over everything with, with these th- things. Yeah. And um, so, you know, oh, no, this is um, just amazing wonderful, positive new step, particularly for superhero movies. I must mention as well that like with all Marvel films, you have to stay until the very end credits to get a little bit of an Easter egg about what's coming up next. Oh, yes, that's right. (laughs) Well, that always happens, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, I'm looking forward to the next one because this one's going to be hard to beat. (laughs) It is, absolutely. Bring on November. Okay, thank you. That was Carolyn Brown with her views on Shang-Chi and The Legend of Ten Rings. And I'm Hans Petrovic on Movie Talk on Plains FM 96.9. Welcome to the Harlem Culture Festival. Here in the Harlem Harlem. What time is it? You will not be able to stay home, brother. not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rebound, brothers. The revolution will be live. Summer of Soul is a musical documentary about the little-known Harlem cultural festival which celebrated African-American music and culture and promoted black pride and unity back in 1969. Ian Cumming has been off to the Lumiere cinemas to see this film which was put together more than 50 years after the actual event. Ian, what did you think of this inspirational musical, Summer of Soul? Inspirational indeed, you know, as, uh, as it, uh, um, it was empowering black, black Americans as to who they were yeah, and yeah. in fact, at still a rough are. time. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, and, it, and it applies as much to to America oh, today, today, very much today. Yes, mm. but anyway, while Woodstock was going on not so far down the road, yeah. there we had this right in the heart of um, Harlem. It's this very powerful cultural festival, and it with the best of black music and the most, of, and it's by the people. Um, Mahalia Jackson, Sly and the Family Stone, Nina Simone, Stevie Wonder, B.B. Yeah. King, The Fifth Dimension, Gladys Knight and the Pips. It's extraordinary uh, yeah, getting yeah, together amazing. over the six yeah. weekends. Mahalia Jackson's in there, yeah. Mm. Oh, did I not mention her? I don't know, maybe you did. I think I did, but I, I certainly would have. I mean, she was <laughs> sensational. In mm. fact, I clapped and somebody else clapped when we were watching it. It was so yeah. moving. It was so poor, such a performance. Yeah, I mean, this this film get, it, it's a multi level movie actually because you could take it as a, a first class top standard musical, you know, and see it as such, and it's absolutely fantastic stuff. Uh, this black music from the late nineteen um, sixties, and and then it's, it is all very also very much a statement about black. Um, issues and you know, racial issues and all this sort of a thing, and showing it all from the positive angle. These oh. people, there's thousands. I think they had about six concerts, and about three hundred three hundred thousand people attended. Them yes, over, over those weekends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and all of this, and all those people in the audience looked so lovely. They'd be there with their kids on their sitting yeah. on their shoulders and and just yeah. enjoying what was going on there. The, the incredible music that they were putting out. And yeah. all this. Um, I, I was, early in the film, we see. Stevie Wonder, he used to be known as Little Stevie Wonder, the, the blind <laughs> singer, mm. and uh, I only knew him as a singer, but he does the most fantastic. 
fantastic drumming sequence. Oh, it? yes, he gets right. on. Yeah. The, he has a, his his guide to pop him in the right place, and then he goes he goes to town. And then we've got Sly of the Family Stone, and he's gyrating gyrat, gyrating across the stage, just like Mick Jagger does at his concerts, <laughs> the Rolling Stones. <laughs> and there's yeah. a woman in there. Um, I can't remember which group she was with, but she was interviewed for this film, like a number of other people. They are as they are now, or two years ago, and she looks so like Kerry Takanawa. The colouring, the the greying hair. Oh yeah, it was yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and then you get uh, yeah, sort of really sort of one of the top artists, somebody like Nina Simone coming on. Uh, one, of the, you know, she's sort of the queen of soul music at that time. And protest, and, indeed. And, and then halfway through, oh well, in, during her performance, she reads, she gets this little bit of paper out of a poem by somebody, and, and in which says, um, uh, or she asks the audience, uh, quoting this, "Are you ready to smash white things? Are you ready to build black things?" And the crowd, of course, responds with loud cheers. <laughs> exactly. And she sang this song too, uh, Miss. Mr. Backlash. So, Mr. Backlash, Backlash, who do you think I am? You raise my taxes, freeze my wages, send my son to Vietnam. You give me second-class houses and second-class schools. Who do you think all the couple, couple, all the coloured people are? Just second-class fools? Mr. Backlash, I'm going to leave you with the blues. Yes, I am. When I find a job, or try to find a job to earn a little cash, all you've got to offer is your mean old white Backlash, Mr. Backlash. I'm going to leave you with the blues. So, there you yeah. go. No, I think it makes its point quite well. <laughs> it does. But another one there, we've just, it's about the time that Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, right? Yes. And yes. there's a quote out of this thing never mind the moon, let's get some of that cash in Harlem. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, well, that's a fair enough. I suppose it's a fresh enough hmm. understandable argument. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, oh, no, this is, um, there's just so much in this film. And the curious thing is that this was filmed, oh, this uh, concert, these concerts occurred in 1969. And there was a um, TV um, director who um, was watching this, and he decided it was well worth filming, and uh, and he so he took this on, and he spent um, yeah he, he got so many hours of filming, you know I just can't remember how much, but it was I'd say tons of videotape, yeah, yeah so video, yeah, there were hundreds huge, of hours, huge, of huge it. amounts. But then none of the, the I think he was essentially doing this for a TV program. But none, none of the TV show people would have anything to do with it. They wouldn't show it. And so this film has been put away for ever since 1969. Until it was found in, uh, two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But it's what's called an outside broadcast. So they've got several cameras and the director is cutting, you know, that, that it's a live performance. Mm. to videotape, and he's cutting the cameras. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. So that's mm. why we get a shot right towards the end of these boxes. Or these very Videotapes in those days were enormous. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. It was totally uh, recording sound and yeah. vision. Um, yeah. and, well, um, actually, funnily enough, the name has got a... Uh, the, the film has got a subtitle. It's called Summer of Soul or When Revolution Could Not Be uh, Televised. <laughs> sort of implying that it could, that they wouldn't show put it show any of it on TV. And <laughs> well, of course, what he's done since then. I mean, he, he he'd recorded all the the footage, but he didn't he he didn't have the interviews that um, had been put into the film. Oh, of course, you know, the people yes. as they are much older now. Yeah, of course, of course, they have pop up in it too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's one thing though, the low camera shots there, then it's interesting to see the dental work of some of the performers. <laughs> Why? What was it? 
No, well, Mahalia no. Jackson had a missing tooth, and somebody, oh, somebody else had fillings. You know, it's a low angle <laughs> yeah. shot. You know, but it didn't it didn't distract. It yeah, didn't distract. And I thought there was the most amazing. How long was it? It was about 100, 100 minutes, was it? Hundred. I think it went very it, close to two hours. Was it two? Anyway, whatever it was, hmm. it, it didn't drag at all. And um, I would just hoping that my son can see it in Dunedin. If Dunedin happens to get it, he's a musician, and it's a film you've oh, got to see. Well, you don't have to be a musician to enjoy it, but. Hmm. No, it's an important film. I must say, I'm pretty sure this will get into my top ten films of the year this year. So, yeah. So, okay. I think you liked it. <laughs> I think you're correct, and I right. think we both liked it. <laughs> Good, thank you. That was Ian Cumming helping me with Summer of Soul. I'd like to thank the sponsor of the show, the Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre, which is now located at 98 Moorhouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website, www.assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, www.assetmanagers.co.nz. Oui, pardon. Il faut y avoir des idées sur le sujet du concours Il faut voir plus libre, plus audacieux. Une tour, 300 mètres. Entièrement en métal. Un défi à la gravité. Aux éléments. Cette tour, messieurs, c'est Paris. Son rayonnement. Sa place dans le monde. In Eiffel, we learn about the many issues involved in the building of Paris's famous tower back in 1889. Mary Gibson has been off to the Academy Cinemas to see this beautifully produced French film. Mary, what did you think of this multi-level movie, Eiffel? Yeah, this was really interesting. I wasn't sure what to expect when I went to see this, and to be honest with you and how ignorant of me, I didn't know the Eiffel Tower was named after a person oh, with mm-hmm. the surname of Eiffel. And and that actually wasn't his um his his name originally. It was something like Bonnickhausen dit Eiffel. So he clearly came from Germany perhaps, I think, with a yeah, name yeah, like that. that. Could well be, yeah. And and changed it to Alexandre Gustav Eiffel. So um yeah, from the point of view it was it was multi layered because it told the story of him winning the exhibition challenge to build the Eiffel Tower or to build the to tower, build some, to build a structure. Some notable structure. Yeah, the, which yeah, later became known as the Eiffel Tower. And um, I, again, ignorantly, I didn't realise that he'd been involved in... Um, part of the composition of the Statue of Liberty, Liberty as yeah. well. well. What he did there, he didn't actually make or design the statue itself, but he uh, constructed uh, the um, sort of little island underneath mm, it and, mm, and made it mm, firm because mm. I worried that this is out in the middle well, of the water he, in New York Harbour there. And, it, you know, with the sea coming and going, it, it could wash it away one that, day. That's and so right. He, yeah. a, he was an engineer, basically. Yeah, he was a structural engineer yeah. or a civil engineer, but 
concentrating predominantly on structure, and that was how the, how this came about. Mm. So yeah, it was quite a fascinating story, but it also was um, you know not just a historical piece, but also a very personal journey about his life and where he had started. And he, he originally um, was was noted for building the Garabit Viaduct, and that's how he met this um, lady that he became very enchanted with and uh, and and that story played out along with the building of the Eiffel Tower yeah. so it was a romance as well yeah there's got yeah and, and, and with that that's possibly one place where I got confused because it took you back in time that's right. to when they first met about 20 years yeah, ago or so yeah. and and first for, formed their um, yeah love relationship and were going to get married and then it all fell through and and then he met her again later in time and mm. got, got involved again. Yeah, it was That's very tragic, in. very tragic, because he clearly lost his wife. She she died very young, you know, and the mother of his children. So there was all of this playing out alongside the, yeah. the history of the building of the Eiffel Tower. But how amazing, wasn't it? You know, gosh, I learned so much. You know, I don't. I felt quite ignorant, really, that I hadn't even studied that earlier. I've just always <laughs> known of the Eiffel Tower being the Eiffel Tower, you know, and that it's a place that you went to visit, yeah. but didn't know. And and clearly. You know the the fact that people go there and they see it as a romantic place to go. It was built on such a romantic notion as well. You know his own life and um, where he, you know, him and 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 this woman that he'd been in love with earlier came together again and stood and looked over the city and then, you know, his love of building. And so it was a love story yeah. as well. And then you get all much. the other issues that he, fa he mm. faces. I mean, mm. there's he's trying to cope throughout the film uh, with huge financial construction and political problems, yeah. Yeah. plus the local people living around that area. Mm. They're objecting to this big, tall thing, being a 300-metre-high um Building going in ugly there structure because, really. <laughs> oh, well, that would have been considered that at that time. Yeah, to me, it's just yeah, magnificent. Yeah, you know, because they thought it might fall over one day onto their property. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, it is. It is as I said. It is multifaceted. You're right. You know, in terms of the various layers that come through in this, and and how you just want to champion him, don't you? You just want him to be successful. Yeah. And then because against all the odds of, um, you know, around. Having not having enough money and constantly having to try and to get money and then mortgaging his own home and his business and yeah, everything yeah, yeah. to to get the get money to going, build this yeah. tower. Phenomenal, mm. phenomenal. I, mean, I think once it, was, once it was completed, it was, and yeah, I don't know how they made that, how they filmed that, <laughs> because you see the, the sort of half-built tower mm. there, mm. and it looks absolutely mm. phenomenal and huge mm. already. And where did they get that? How did they yeah. do that? <laughs> you know, yeah, just, it's quite <laughs> fascinating, isn't it? Because, you know, you've got to think back, like now when you see a construction that goes to that height, there's these huge big cranes and all sorts of um, equipment to get them up there. But this, they were actually building it layer by layer by layer. And, you know, and that, that wasn't that interesting when... Um, it was the bolts that held it together. Yeah, and at yeah. one point, because he got so frustrated with the bankers and with the polit politicians, he said, we're going to rivet it all now and no one will ever take it apart. And yeah, I thought, yeah. wow. That Use was, rivets, uh, not bolts. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he ordered amazing. the builders so that the tower could not be torn down. I know. And uh, I know. there was a danger of that happening. Because it was hmm. for an exhibition. So 
I guess quid pro quo it would have been expected to yeah, come there's down this afterwards. Big public uh, exhibition and coming then they to come town down. Under, but mm. then the, whatever the buildings are, they are taken down. So <laughs> what a great piece of history to learn about, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, as you were saying before, I mean t- today still, uh, I mean that has um, changed the Paris skyline forever. But to me, it's. Um, yeah, I think that's why a lot of people go there, and it is basically just to catch an eyeful of the tower. That's <laughs> that's right, Hans. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about the dad joke. <laughs> but look, you know, I think that this is a really good movie, and if you're interested in history and you know world affairs, I think it's really worthwhile going to see for that. I, I found it really enjoyable. Good movie, and I've had myself just please make sure it works. I'm rooting for him to, <laughs> to get this thing built, you know, because there's no way you want it to fail. It's just, you know, and you know it does because you know that historically that building is there, mm. but you just think, what, what? You know, how many um, rocks did they have to crawl over to get to that point? Wasn't yeah, that phenomenal? Yeah. And it's a really an amazing feat of engineering. Oh, you it know, is. It, yeah. and, and, and at that time, this is over yeah, 100 years ago, yeah, and uh, that's yeah. a phenomenal thing to have happened. Well, and, yeah. and he actually went on to do amazing work post his retirement in meteorology and aerodynamics. So the guy was such a, at the forefront hmm. of... Of engineering and oh and, yeah, intellectually and, yeah, way. yeah. Into, I mean, totally. and a very, a very uh, creative person. Yes, too. yes. This is what he was pushing for there. Yeah. Oh, and I guess you have to say that the tower is in the shape of an A, which was the Adrian was the name of his love interest. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Mary. That was Mary Gibson with her views on Eiffel. And I'm Hans Petrovic inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Plains FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. This program will also be repeated at midday on Saturday and you can listen to podcasts of earlier episodes on the Plains FM website, plainsfm.org.nz. Plains FM 96.9